as a nurse, you can make suggestions to the doctor and I have doctor, they will take your suggestions. Um, if, if it's appropriate, sometimes they're like, oh, well, I have like 50 patients. I wouldn't even thought of that. Like, that's great. Or you can work with like suggest to physical therapy, something physical therapy can suggest something to you. Um, social work can suggest things. You can suggest things to social work. Like, Hey, I don't feel like my patient's safe enough to go home. Hey, my patient needs a ride to dialysis treatment. Can you help? Like there's so much interprofessional collaboration and communication that goes on behind the scenes that people don't even know about. Have you enjoyed listening to the Incredible Paul podcast? Are you looking for a way to support it? Or maybe you just want some swag? Check out the Incredible Paul store today. We have shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, stickers, and so much more. Go to incredipaul.org, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-Paul.org, and click on the store link. Or go to link in my socials bio and click on the Incredipaul shop. Looking forward to seeing your Incredipaul look. Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Welcome to the Incredipal Podcast. And now, sharing his expertise, experience, and excellence with the world, here's your host, Paul Ferranbi. Hi, I'm Paul Fromby. Welcome to the Incredible Paul Podcast, where we learn how to become the best version of ourselves by learning from each other. Today, I have Jabria on the podcast. Jabria, how about you tell the people where you're from and what you do? Okay, so my name is Jabria. I am originally from Omaha, Nebraska, but I currently live in St. Louis. Um, what I do now, my profession, I am coming up on my first year as a registered nurse at a hospital here in St. Louis. And I work on a intermediate care, also known as progressive care, step down um, floor. Awesome. So how did you get into nursing? What made you want to become a nurse? I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a nurse. There's a lot of people in my family that are in healthcare, um, primarily being my mother. She's been a registered nurse for a very long time. And I just remember, um, looking up to her when I was younger and hearing stories about the people she impacted. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Um, I want to be involved in healthcare in some way. So I got my LPN, which is like an associate's degree in 2015. I went to a private school in Nebraska. Um, and then I did not take my NCLEX and start working as an LPN right away. Just the time in my life I was really involved in the restaurant industry. I really like, really liked what I was doing. Um, my goal was to always go for my bachelor's degree in nursing, but the school I was at was pretty competitive. It took a lot of energy out of me. So I decided to kind of take a break for a couple of years. Um, and then COVID hit in 2020. Um, I was still working at a restaurant at that time. Everything was closing. I was just like, I think everybody at that time was wondering, like, what can I do to, like, make the world a better place? Healthcare struggling, restaurant industry struggling. Um, we saw just on TV and on the news, um, our healthcare workers um, primarily were getting, like, so beat down and so worn out. Yeah. So I was like, this is the time, I guess, now or never. 
um, I felt called to do this and I think I should just go for my BSN at the same time. So I went back to school and started um, working as an LPN at a doctor's office slash urgent care in the summer of 2020, spring slash summer of 2021. Graduated almost exactly one year ago with my- Congratulations. um, Thank you. With my bachelor's degree in nursing, um, took my NCLEX in, I think it was the end of February. Um, So yeah, been working as an RN since January of last year. That's awesome. So a little bit to unpack there. You talked about the NCLEX. Is that kind of like, is that the board exam or what exactly is that? Yes. So the NCLEX is an exam that is set up by your state. Um, They decide um, what requirements need to be met for you to take your boards, um, primarily graduating from an accredited um, college with a um, nursing degree. Um, Because a lot of people have a misconception that once you graduate and you have that like BSN title, you have a bachelor's of science in nursing, but you technically are not a registered nurse Mm. until you take your boards or your NCLEX. So there's kind of, if anybody uh, that's worked in like the medical field, I even know like hairdressers Mm. and um, like nail techs, they all have to take some kind of licensure exam Mm -hmm. Um, in healthcare just that's just I'm just speaking from healthcare experience um I know with nurses and doctors and PTs it's like a nerve-wracking very big deal there's not like a test bank you can study from you can't ask your friends like hey what questions did you get because let's it's a computer generated test you go they kind of frisk you down like you're at the airport to make sure you're not cheating um you sit there for anywhere to an hour to three hours, however long it takes you. And the computer just picks your brain and an hour to three hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the minimum questions you can get is 75 questions. I think the maximum is somewhere in the two hundreds. I know it's changed a couple of times. So it just kind of, the computer is smart. So it just kind of keeps testing you on your knowledge. And if you keep getting the questions right, it will give you harder and harder and harder and harder questions. Wow. The biggest difference when I took my LPN NCLEX and my RN NCLEX is the select all that apply. You could have one be correct out of the select all that apply, or all of them could be correct out of the select all that apply. So that was something all of that them I was like, yes. And the select all that apply, I mean, everybody knows when you take a test, that is like the hardest questions. And I feel like my, at one point I wanted to like break down and cry because I was like, why is every question I'm getting a select all that apply? Are you wondering what's next? Has everything you tried failed? Or maybe you just feel a little bit stuck? Then coaching may be right for you. The coaching relationship is a relationship that's totally centered on you. If you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life, want to start seeing results, reach out to Incredible for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to paulferrandi.com or at I am Incredible on all my socials. Click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the best version of yourself. So I passed my NCLEX. Um, I mean, everybody that's taken a big test knows you sit there all day, like anxiously wondering, did I pass? Yeah, I got home and like immediately started Googling questions that I could like think of wondering if I answered them (laughs) right. And I was like, 
on like Reddit and like all these nursing forums trying to figure out tricks to see like, oh, is there any way I can see if I passed? Um, so yeah, and then I think it was like 48 hours later I got the the notification that I passed. So it was like the oh, biggest wow. like <sighs> of my Sigh. life. Sigh. <laughs> no, yeah. That's good. That sounds like a warrant though, as far as the testing and take well, I guess take us back to the, the day of the test, even studying for the test. Like what goes into all of that? You, I know you said you were working at an urgent care and then you're also in nursing school. So it doesn't seem yeah. like a lot of time to study for the test. Honestly, I don't recommend it, but it's like, here's the thing. I feel like with it's, it's always a better idea to focus on school when you can, but when it comes to having like a foot in the door in, if you have an opportunity to have a foot in the door and advantage mm-hmm. in getting that job after you degree, I would recommend you take it. I think part of the reason I passed my NCLEX was because I was working at an urgent care and mm-hmm. around like healthcare jargon and situations and seeing different disease processes yeah I feel like it honestly helped a little bit Mm -hmm. um yeah and then I took time I took let's see I graduated in December so I pretty much just dedicated every day a certain window of time where I'm going to study um there's lots of different um like YouTube lectures you can listen to just on how to answer questions in the tests, because um, I only know from the NCLEX, the questions are very, hey, all of these could be right, but which one's mm-hmm. like the most right? So it's, yeah. it's it's almost like some of them are trick questions. So you have to really look at the question and think, what are they trying? What are they asking? Because they can throw mm-hmm. a bunch of different information in the question they're asking that isn't even relevant to distract you from what they're really asking. So I, yeah. So I kind of had a different approach than most people. I started, started with listening to YouTube questions on how to answer NCLEX questions the best. Mm. Then I found a program online that I paid for that took you through similar questions to what you would see on the NCLEX or retired questions that they don't use anymore. So I took that knowledge that I learned from the YouTube video on how to answer these questions. And I just was doing like, okay, I'm going to do a hundred questions today. And then the um, subjects I missed, I would kind of pull those subjects, write them down, study that content until I felt Mm -hmm. like I memorized it really well. Then retook the hundred question text when I felt like I test when I felt like I mastered that I moved on to the next section wow um so yeah I that's just how I did it I really like the program and I really like the YouTube videos that's everybody has different studying habits I have to like write things down and do them mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again for them to become ingrained in my brain mm-hmm. but um I it was successful I passed in a minimum amount of questions Um, every, every person I've ever talked to about the NCLEX walks out of it feeling like they failed, but that usually means they passed. So, yeah. Nice. So I want to take a step back. I know you, so it seemed like you really started your nursing career in the heart of COVID, you said in 2020. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I know during that time, and I know I was watching on the news, a lot of people were watching on the news that 
the hospitals are overwhelmed, like doctors are getting burnt out, nurses getting burnt out. And all of us were pretty much in a state of panic because we were just hearing a bunch of things. We didn't know what was happening. We were so, too. <laughs> yeah. So what 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 caused you to jump in and do that, knowing all of that? I just have always in my heart felt this calling to help people, um, especially those less fortunate. And I knew putting myself in this situation right in the midst of COVID, not only would I be helping sick people, but I would also be helping out like my fellow peers. Mm. Um, like by this point, the nurses had been dealing it with a, for a couple months, right? Everybody was like the beginning of COVID, right? Nobody knew anything. Yeah. Like we were like Lysoling our freaking bodies down. <laughs> Um, like, like out of toilet paper. I remember when I first started at the clinic, like we were like, okay, nobody with sick symptoms can come in. Like, we don't know what's going on, just Mm -hmm. regular checkups. And I just like, remember when that first person, like incidentally, we found out they had COVID, um, Mm -hmm. came back, like our whole, whole clinic was like shook. Everyone was like, I need to get tested. I need Mm. to get my whole family tested. We got to shut down the clinic. We got to fumigate. So everybody was just in this state of like panic, Mm. fear, like they're worried I'm going to catch it. They're burnt out from taking care of sick people. And also the mental strain just COVID put on people, um, worrying about yourself, your family worried if you're providing safe care. Mm-hmm. I felt like I'm not burnt out because I'm starting new. I mm-hmm. could come in and not take the burden, but put myself in a situation where the nurse would be like, okay, here's like a fresh new person. They're not going to leave right away. Mm-hmm. Like I can kind of relax. I have help mm-hmm. from a person who hasn't been like in the trenches with me and they have energy to mm-hmm. do this if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's really awesome that you were able to jump in and, and do that. Now, that's not something a lot of people would do. That's, a, that's, a, that's remarkable. So I know you also okay. mentioned that you, you worked in the restaurant industry as well. Uh, so talk to me more about that. Like what types of restaurants, like what did you do? <laughs> Uh, any funny experiences? I just see that you're laughing from that question. So I started working in restaurants. I first worked in Olive Garden in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Um, I think it was 2014, 15. I don't even remember. Um, so I've worked at anywhere from an Olive Garden to like a very high end restaurant. Um, and I've loved every single, almost, almost every single serving job I've ever had. Um, I made great friends. I had a good time. I got a lot of free food, um, which is always a uh, plus. Um, If you work in any kind of service industry, whether it be fast food, high-end dining, chain dining, you learn to become as a server an excellent person at customer service which I feel like gave me a leg up in my nursing career because a lot of times we have to grin and bear it in the nursing field. And a lot of times you have to grin and bear it as a server and kind of just like, Oh, I really don't want to be here, but I'm going to put a smile on my face because this is my job. Um, You learn how to, I feel like it gave me great communication skills. I, (laughs) 
the other day I realized my server life had carried over into my nursing life because we had like different packs of sugar um, at work. There's a pink one, a blue one, and a yellow one, and none of them are labeled. They're just different sugars. And people are like, which one is which? And I was like, oh, yellow Splenda, the pink one's sweet and low, and the blue one's equal. And they're like, how do you know that? I was like, I work in Russia. Doesn't everybody know that? They're like, how do you know the orange one's decaf? I'm like, the orange one's always decaf. The orange coffee pot's always decaf. What are you talking about? So it's just, it was just a fun full circle moment. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, any memorable moments from serving come to mind? <laughs> um, my favorite, probably my favorite job besides what I'm doing now is when I worked at a restaurant called Crave. Um in Omaha, I made like some of the best friends working there. And I remember, I just, it's not even a specific memory. Like the whole, the whole time I worked there wasn't a memory and an experience, but I just remember the hardest shifts were like the holidays and we'd have like droves and droves of families come in and it would always weird me out because it would be like on Father's Day, we'd have huge parties full of people, like 10 people, 12 people, 20 wow. people for Father's Day. And then the dad would always end up paying for like everybody. So wow. we always thought that was really funny. And then memorable moments. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway was always fun. We got to like see some high-end clients, Warren Buffett dine at the restaurant. Wow. Some when I worked at Jams, there was some guy that was on True Blood, which was a show on HBO that we waited on. Kylie Jenner ate at our restaurant one time, which was wow. kind of cool. So yeah, just like lots of like of... random little experiences in good old Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, a lot of who's who in Omaha. Yeah. With the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, of course, being the yes. highlight. Yeah. Yeah. His family ate at Crave quite often. Nice. That's really cool. Yeah. So with nursing, I know like a lot of people have either been to a doctor or emerging room or urgent care. Is there anything that people wouldn't know about what nursing looks like just from the outside looking in? Or walk us through a typical day. Okay. I'll walk you through a typical day. So a typical day, um, our shifts are 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., but usually it's like 6.45 till 7.30, 8 o'clock. Um, it is long shifts. Um, so first thing I do when I get there is I like to look up my assignment. We post ours like on a big board. It has our name, our phone for the day because everybody gets their own little phone. And then my patient's um, room numbers. Um, for step down, we have anywhere to three to four patients. Three is like the normal, but as you know, healthcare is really understaffed right now. So we've been having four lately. Wow. Um, so after I look up my patients, we do a huddle um, with our charge nurse. Our charge nurse is kind of like the head nurse of the floor. Mm -hmm. um, she's kind of our go-to person. Um, if we have questions, if there is a patient that's has a change of status, if there's just any issues, um, we go to our charge nurse. Um, okay. so we have a huddle with her, um, and she has gotten report from the night charge nurse. So she kind of gives us an overview on what the night church, the night charge nurse told them. So we talk about 
um, big things, anybody that's on like what rooms are on COVID isolation, what rooms are on flu isolation. Mm -hmm. Do we have any patients on um, like with for behavioral issues like suicide watch that we have to be careful of? Are there any like blackout victims, which are like victims of violence? If anybody Mm -hmm. calls like, hey, they're not like we don't say if they're here or not. Mm -hmm. Um, if there's any impulsive patients, like sometimes like older people like to get confused and get up and fall when they get out of bed, like just people we need to keep close eye on. Yeah. So we go through that. We go over like how we're staffed, um, how many nurses we have, Mm -hmm. how many techs we have. Um, usually there's like a job that we have to do every day for my floor. Like Monday we change, um, IV, we, everybody gets like a new IV dressing. Um, some days we take pictures of all of, uh, the patient's wounds just so everything has this designated day. So everybody's like on the same page for that day. Okay. Um, and then if there's any, um, like new travelers or, um, agency people that have picked up for the day, um, they get like a special sheet. That's like the who's who the codes for all the rooms. Um, so after that, I find who has my patient, who had my patients overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get what's called report from them. Mm-hmm. So they basically break down, um, when the patient got here, why the patient's there, um, their medical history, like relevant medical history, mm-hmm. um, how they're oriented. Are they confused? Do they speak English? Um, What's their cardiac status? What's Mm -hmm. their respiratory status? Do they need a breathing machine? Um, Do I think this patient might need to go to the ICU or do I think they could go to a regular floor? Uh Um, How do they go to the bathroom? Um, Do they Uh have dressing changes? What dressing changes do I need? Who, what consulting doctors? Do they have a cardiologist? Do I need to call a cardiologist? So you go through Uh that on all of your patients. And then you go around and actually see your patients. So the morning, usually my patients are sleeping, but I like open the door, make sure they don't need anything. Um, There's a big drawing board where we write our name, like, hey, my name's Bria. This is my pager number. Um, So, yeah. And then I usually the first thing I do is I like to read through my patient's chart a little bit to see if there's anything I missed. I mean, things... it's kind of like a telephone game sometimes, like passing from information to information to information ah, from see. nurse to nurse to nurse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just like to verify, um, especially if the patient's been there for like a month, like, oh, we're still doing this. Okay. Um, oh, the patient has a test today that they need to get ready for. Okay. Oh, the patient can't eat today because they have a test. Mm-hmm. So I just like to go through and verify all that information. Um, and then I start my day with passing medications and lots of charting, lots of, yeah, passing medications <laughs> and charting and charting and charting. Uh, um, so yeah. And then when I leave at the end of the day, I give my report to the night nurse and it just, yeah, repeats itself every day. Wow. That's a lot to unpack. I know you yeah. mentioned 12 hours. So how is that like 12 hours during the week, the weekend, or how, how do your shifts kind of work? So I work three 12 hour shifts a week. Um, okay. We can pick which days we work to some extent. It just kind of depends on staffing. Like if everybody okay. wants to work one day and nobody wants to work the other days, they're kind of like, okay, some people got to yeah. work this day. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like to do three in a row. Some people hate doing three in a row. Um, I prefer to do three in a row because if you're getting report 
all you have to do is like updates, which means you just get any, the nurse giving your report only has to give you any changes, which is nice. It, your day goes faster. You already know everything about your patients. Um, we like to do what's called continuity of care. So if you're back the next day, you always get your patients because it's just easier, right? The patient knows you, they're more comfortable. You know, the patient, you're more comfortable. Um, you know, you kind of build like a bond or a trust yeah, with that patient, that you know, sense. cause so many times patients are like, Oh, are you back tomorrow? And it's like, yeah, they're like, Oh, good. Or no. Um, if you're, if your patient has a goal, that's like, Oh, tomorrow I'm going to do this. I can make sure that that gets done because they told me the day before. Mm -hmm. um, some people, uh, my job requires you to work every third weekend, which is Saturday and Sunday. Um, so yeah, I really only have to work three 12 hour shifts a week. Sometimes I pick up. So yeah, it's nice. I like only having to work three days a week. It's one of the perks of being a nurse, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I would say there's still a lot of stress that comes with that, though. There's yeah. A lot of stuff that goes on in those 12 hours. Oh, yes. And so you talked to, you said like something about travelers. So talk like what are like travel nursing is all you're talking about? Yeah. So our hospital, DePaul, has a combination of travel, travel nurses and care rev and core staff. Core staff would be like me. That is my home unit. I was hired for that unit. Okay. Unless there's a shortage somewhere else, I stay at my home unit. I don't okay. go anywhere else. Um, you can get floated, which is like your floor is overstaffed. Another floor is understaffed. If you have the skills to go to that floor, you can. For example, okay. I'm not ICU trained, so I can't float to the ICU. But my okay. skills or a, I have more skills than a med surge nurse, so I could go to a med surge floor or okay. an ortho floor. Okay. Um, and then care rev is a new, it's kind of hard to explain because I'm not a care rev nurse, but okay. it's a new agency that started, I believe it started in COVID filling gaps because so many places are understaffed. Okay. Um, essentially hospitals post what shifts they need covered and what units and you um, go on the app and are like, oh, DePaul has a ICU shift and they're going to pay me $70 an hour. And you go pick up that shift and you go to DePaul and you work 12 hours, you make $70 an hour. Then there's um, travel nurses where they sign a contract with your hospital. I'm going to work three shifts, four shifts a week. Everybody negotiates their contract differently from January until March. I'm yours, all yours. I don't go to any other hospital. I don't go to any other unit. I'm your nurse. Um, so yeah, we have... I think about four travelers, a couple just left. Um, and I think we're supposed to be getting some new ones um, in a couple weeks here. So, yeah. Nice. Well, thanks for explaining that. So would it be possible for if you're a traveler, could they also do the care rev as well? Not at the same hospital. No. Okay. Not at the same hospital. they could do it at a different hospital. I think they can do at a different hospital system. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Good to know. Yeah. So what would you say, and I, I know there's probably a lot to unpack here, like uh, with nursing, is there a particular part of your job that is the most rewarding for you? Yes. It's, I, mean, I was just talking about this last week. It's cheering on your patients 
every time they make a little step towards getting out the door. Because, mm. right, my job as a nurse, if, 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 if the hospital has done its job and the doctor has done its job and if I have my, have done my job, you're leaving and you're never coming back. Yeah. Um, right. That's the goal. You're in mm -hmm. the hospital because you're sick. You yeah. need to leave. You can't be there forever. Mm -hmm. So I had a patient who had like a freak accident. Um, and he had like a, we like a tube in everybody. He had like chest tubes, a tube down his throat, a tube down his nose, a tube in his wow. stomach, um, IVs going everywhere. Um, and I had him three days in a row on the third day, the doctor's like, you're getting better. We can take like almost all of these tubes out. And the patient was so excited. And I was so excited nice. because I was like, do you realize how like close you are to going home? Um, and his family was there. His kids were like crying. Cause he was like, like this man was very ill when he first came into the hospital and just to see like the progress he made and for him to go home, um, was, it was just a great thing to see. Um, when patients tell you like the impact you've made on their life or patients that are, that say to you, I will never forget you. I couldn't have done wow. this without you. It's just like the best, most rewarding feeling. And I feel like I have done my job and I've done it well. Like I love hearing that. I love, because it sucks when you go to the hospital, you're sick, you don't feel good. Nine times out of 10, yeah. it's an accident. You don't plan on being there yeah. unless you have a scheduled surgery. You don't sleep when you're in the hospital. You get poked a million times. The food sucks. Like it is not an enjoyable experience. So if us as nurses can give you like a little spotlight of your day and help you feel really good, even if it's just a short interaction, I feel like that's just the best. And keeping them alive, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that comes with the job. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's really cool. So I would say, like, with all the stuff you do, that you are a hero. I know it was really celebrated in <laughs> during COVID, but I think people, I don't know, maybe they necessarily forgot, but there's still a lot that nurses in the healthcare field is going through. So unless, at least on behalf of everyone I know, to say that you are a hero and it's well, awesome you. to see the stuff you're doing uh, in more ways than one, because you are a hero to many people at your hospital and you are a hero to me as a wife as well. So, <laughs> well thanks. Uh, Thank you. Fun just getting you on the podcast to talk about your experiences in the hospital and yeah, are there any, so I know you said you've been in the, at the Paul working in St. Louis for last year, anything memorable, anything you like an aha moment, something you feel like you learned on the job that you didn't necessarily learn in school? Or... Like everything, <laughs> <laughs> like there is really like everybody told me your best experience. You're going to learn so much more your first year of working. Being a new grad, I feel like I have learned more this year than I have like the entire time I was at school. Like so many new things. You learn like the the bare minimum in school. Um, but in the real world, it's I mean, it's not much different, but you just when you start connecting what you've seen on paper to real life, it's like, oh. Um, and the part of nursing, especially on my floor. So I'll explain, I don't think I even kind of explain what a step down or an IMC floor, um, is. So yeah. 
step down is like a step down. So you're either, if you're in the hospital, you're either in the ER waiting for a bed, mm-hmm. you're on a regular med search floor, which means you'll be there a couple of days. You're in the ice or you're in the ICU, which means you're very, very ill or you're on a step down floor. So there's different requirements that come with being on a step down floor. Um, like we get people from the ER and we're like, oh, they're not step down appropriate. They're not sick enough to be on our floor, if that makes sense, because we deal with pretty critically ill patients, but not quite as like, we don't have patients on ventilators. Um, We don't deal with um, IV pressers, things like that. So we call it step down because usually when you come out of the ICU, they don't just take you out of the ICU and send you out the door. Most of the times, most of the times they want you to go to step down where you're closely monitored. Um, The nurses have um, the training to give certain kinds of medication. Mm -hmm. We don't have as many patients so we can watch you closer, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, But just learning, like watching the interprofessional, like collaboration and communication and how we all work together for all of our patients. It's a really fun experience to see and something I don't think they teach enough in nursing school that yes, like you're a nurse, but you're also like, as a nurse, you can make suggestions to the doctor and I have doctor, they will take your suggestions. Um, if, if it's appropriate, Sometimes they're like, oh, well, I have like 50 patients. I wouldn't even thought of that. Like, that's great. Or you can work with like suggest to physical therapy, something physical therapy can suggest something to you. Um, Social work can suggest things. You can suggest things to social work. Like, hey, I don't feel like my patient's safe enough to go home. Hey, my patient needs a ride to dialysis treatment. Can you help? Like there's so much interprofessional collaboration and communication that goes on behind the scenes that people don't even know about. Um, like, Hey, we set up your like physical therapy appointment when you leave, but that had to go through like four different people just to make that happen. And people, I don't think know how much teamwork that goes into healthcare. I think there's this mindset that everybody just has their separate tasks and we never talk to each other. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know if it's different at other hospitals on my hospital, like everybody within the healthcare team at 1030, we all talk about every single patient on the floor. The oh, doctor's wow. there, the doctor's there, social work's there, case management's there, the nurse is there, physical therapy's there, and the pharmacist is there. And sometimes nutrition is there. And we just go down the line and talk about every single patient. What do we need to do to get them out of here? Are there any barriers to healthcare? Um, and that's, that's one of my favorite parts of the day is just everybody giving input and everyone taking the feedback and going, okay, we're going to do this. I didn't realize all that happened. I always felt like everyone had kind of like their section of work they're doing. I realized that you all came together for that. It reminds me of some stuff we do in manufacturing. We have a lot of times we'll have like a, what we call a daily operational review. We'll talk about what happened last night. It has people from operations and maintenance and quality and like sometimes a factory manager be in there mm-hmm. and everyone's talking about what happened from the previous 24 hours what's what what's coming up and then we kind of make a plan of what we're what we're going to do if there's any watch outs you don't need anything mm-hmm. so kind of similar exactly. definitely not as critical as with people's lives because we're just making product that people buy <laughs> uh, but i would but, say that's very uh, I, I would say that you do have people's lives in your hands in a way as well. <laughs> uh, to, to an extent, not, not, <laughs> not quite the same way. 
but I we talked about a little bit like nursing can definitely get hard at times I mean like with anything with life uh, what keeps you going with with the tough times knowing that sometimes I am as much as we do always work together there are unique situations where it's like I'm the only advocate this patient has mm-hmm. And that's honestly what I go back for. What if there's a, like, what if there's a patient I'm supposed to work tomorrow? What if there's a patient there tomorrow that has no family and nobody speak up to them and nobody to explain to their healthcare team what they really want. Mm-hmm. And I'm the person they they feel comfortable telling that to, you know, there's, I, I, the, de- the demographic of people that we serve primarily at my hospital, but I would, I would say this is a gro- global um, public health problem is poor people. Um, people that come to the hospital often, they keep coming back because mm-hmm. they're sick. They have a chronic illness, but people don't ask, Hey, why haven't you been taking your medicine? Mm-hmm. Why did you not go to dialysis? Mm-hmm. Do you have a ride? Do you have money? Like, do you have transportation? Sometimes the reason I think we get frustrated in healthcare, like why won't this person just do do what they need to do to get better? but we don't realize there's a huge barrier in the way. And until someone mm. asks the patient, we're not going to know that until somebody wow. gives them the resources. Like, Hey, I would be better if I could just get somebody to give me a ride to Walgreens so I could pick up my prescription or help me set up um, prescriptions to be delivered to my house. I'm old. I don't know how to do that. I don't have internet. You know, mm. some of these things are so fixable. If we just stop and ask, Hey, why did you do this? Mm. You know, wow. and that's what keeps me coming going back, knowing that sometimes I, I, as a nurse, and I know so many nurses can attest to this, that we are sometimes the only advocates these people have. That's a lot of empathy. I would say that's a lot of leadership in itself. Sounds kind of weird to say leadership and nursing, but just advocating for people and meeting them where they're at and figuring out what they need. One of my favorite quotes by John Maxwell is leaders touch a hand or leaders touch a heart before they ask for a hand. And you are definitely reaching people where they are and helping them get to where they need to be. That's remarkable. Thank you. So is there anything like it might be even little like I when people come to the hospital or like even when families visit that would help you as a nurse? Like maybe people, maybe some people do it, some people don't, and don't realize they're doing things that's making your job harder. (laughs) If anybody knew what nurses had to deal with every day, there is no way in heck a normal person would come a nurse. It takes special kind of people to become a nurse with some of the things we deal with, some of the things we see, the way we're treated. Wow. By patients, patients, families, coworkers, peers, the healthcare institution. I would just wow. say give your healthcare workers, not just your nurses, your healthcare workers some grace, especially in this time. Like we literally are doing the best we can. I think people get really impatient when they're laying in bed and there's nothing to do and you don't feel good. And I understand that, but I promise I'm trying to take care of the sickest people first. And unless you're dying, I promise, I promise you, I'm not just sitting there doing nothing. (laughs) I'm never just sitting there doing nothing. Just give your healthcare workers some grace and please be patient. Like we are doing 
the best we can with the little that we have, that would be my best advice. It can get really frustrating when you're like in a room for an hour trying to save somebody's life and you come into another room and your patient's screaming at you because you want, they wanted water. It's like, you don't, I know I didn't come in here when you wanted, but somebody was literally dying, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you know, but I can't say that to them, you know, yeah. you just, I just say, Hey, I'm sorry. Please give me some, I just say all the time, please give me some grace. Like I'm doing the best I can. That's good. I would say we all need some grace, especially yes. your nurses. I think even that extends to when you worked in the service industry as well. I know um, like the restaurants and stuff, people can be really impatient. I'm sure you have stories about that as well which is probably what set you up so well in nursing and knowing you uh how empathetic and how much you care about people not even just in nursing but just in general like you have a huge heart for people and I think that's why you're so great at your job and thank you even in the the short amount of time you've been where you are the accolades you've had and the how you've been rewarded in different ways I know you're even you didn't talk about it but you're nominated as like one of the best new nurses at your job after just being there (laughs) a few months which is amazing Uh, but that is remarkable well thank you yeah of course (laughs) well is there anything else you'd like to share that I haven't um, asked you about I can't think of anything. I feel like I just rambled on. I would just say, if you're thinking about being a nurse, I feel like there's so much negativity coming from nurses about how much bedside nursing sucks, but don't be scared. Like you will have a week where every day you're going to be like, I hate my job. I hate my life. Why did I do this? And then the next week is going to be like, I love, I mean, you know, this, I love my job. I never want to be anything else. Being nurse is the greatest, most rewarding profession (laughs) followed by a week of, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm the worst nurse ever. Um, imposter syndrome definitely is a thing in nursing, but, um, if you're thinking about being a nurse, it's, go for it or any field in healthcare. It's healthcare culture is there's just like a culture within healthcare. That's so amazing. Like I said, um, just the way we look like work together, the way we talk to each other, the way we collaborate. Um, I feel like at least in my hospital, when we get like new people or new travelers, like everybody's most of the time, pretty welcoming. Um, you kind of have like, Oh yeah, you're like, you're a nurse. You're one of us. Like you're cool. Like, I can joke about this stuff with you. Like, it's just so easy to get along with other Mm -hmm. nurses, even if it's like, oh, it's your first day here. Like, we're going to be best friends by the uh, the assignment. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, Um, and there's so many opportunities. There's so much room for growth. The pay is really, really well, especially if you work in a hospital. The benefits, the benefits kind of suck. I'm not going to lie. But (laughs) people have this idea that healthcare workers have like the best, most amazing health insurance ever. But it's no, it's, it's, it's average. But, um, if you want to make an impact, um, there's so many different avenues and so many different ways nursing can take you. And I'm really excited. I know I just finished up and just finishing up my first year, but I'm already thinking about like, okay, what do I want to do next? That's one of the perks of being a nurse. Um, I know with like some, some degrees you have to kind of stick with your specialty and only do that. But with nursing, 
you can be like, oh, I want to do ICU. Oh, I think I want to be a labor and delivery nurse. Oh, I think I want to go into plastic surgery and do Botox. There's just so many different avenues for somebody like me that gets bored after like three years and wants to change it up. Um, yeah, the possibilities are endless and new stuff is happening all the time. And to be like in the middle of new medical discoveries and new advancements is like pretty cool to see. I mean, Paul knows I come home and I'm like, we did this really cool thing and we shocked this guy's heart and he flew up off the table and I did this really gross thing. And I mean, he's like, okay, but I know it's, it's really exciting. It's all really exciting to me. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. I just, I just love hearing the passion that comes when you're, you talk about what you do and how you care for people. It's amazing. But oh, we're pretty you. much, yeah. So we're pretty much out of time. On, on the podcast that went by really quick but I want to highlight what you were talking about with imposter syndrome because I think you talk about it in nursing but that's something that can affect everyone I know um, statistics have shown that it especially hits people of color and women even more so for all those listening I know I have um, a podcast episode that talks a little bit about imposter syndrome but it's a great but, episode yeah don't yeah definitely check that out on the first I think it is the first episode on season two of the podcast, uh, January 2022. But realize that with imposter syndrome, it's something that affects everyone at some point and don't feel like you're the only one that is feeling that way. And that's why it's an imposter syndrome. It's important to have mentors, reach out to people and always um, always know that they're, it's not always going to feel that way. And most likely other people feel that way as well. Uh, you should yeah. reach out others. Uh, and don't be afraid to go after what you want to do. It may be hard, maybe tough. I know uh, Jabria talked about her journey that she had was LPN at first and then worked a little bit and then decided to go back and become a, a BSN and get her RN through the NCLEX. So it's never too late. It's you're literally never yeah, go you're back never. to school, go back to school. It's <laughs> worth it. Yeah, so don't feel like you're too old or your time is your time has passed. Uh, definitely, I hope you learned something from Jabria's story and from the nursing career. I know I learned a few things as well. And thank you for joining us for this episode and stay. Thank incredible. you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. This Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Incredible Paul Podcast with Paul Ferranbi. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time and be incredible. 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 incredible.